Welcome to Civil Discourse. This podcast will use government documents to illuminate the workings of the American government and offer context around the effects of government agencies in your everyday life. And now your hosts, Nia Rogers, public affairs librarian, and Dr. John Augenbaugh, political science professor. Hey, Augie. Good morning, Nia. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, I'm very fine. Um, and and, uh, and I'm definitely looking forward to uh, our discussion this morning, uh, where we uh, get to continue uh, uh, what we were chatting about in regards to the 9-11 Commission report. Yeah, me too. We kind of left it a moment. And so again, we get to finish, which... Um, yes. Yay. Okay, so... You know, there's this whole elaborate conspiracy about the fighter jets that were scrambled because they were doing a, they weren't there to be scrambled for this because they were doing an exercise and they'd been moved out and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And part of me wants to say to people, sometimes bad guys get lucky. Yes. Sometimes the day they choose to do something, they get lucky. Sometimes a guy who comes in to rob a bank gets lucky because the guy who's supposed to be security at the door has a urinary tract infection and he's in the bathroom longer <laughs> than he was expecting. Yeah, right. And you get to walk through the door with nothing happening and and take whatever you want, right? Like sometimes you get lucky. I don't think that I understand that what we want to do and what all of the conspiracies do with all of the different commissions is they're trying to make a different order out of the chaos. And sometimes the commissions say things like, we don't know. We don't know what we could have done differently. We don't know whether it would have worked or not. We don't know any of that stuff. And, and we have trouble accepting that we have trouble accepting that in this particular instance, the collapse of the of the towers was probably unexpected. I doubt that Osama bin Laden thought he would actually physically bring them down because until that time that had never happened. And but then there's the whole conspiracy of they were actually bombed and they were deliberately dropped and it wasn't even the planes and and it, all of it. I have to admit makes me exhausted. Well, I mean, um, in, 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 in again. I've had students over the years espouse many of the conspiracy theories that you just referenced, Nia, right? Um, you know, and in part, you know, I, 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 I give, you know, I, I give them space, you know, uh, for their voice. Uh, but then I ask, you know, follow-up questions, you know, um, and as many of my students have, have now said, they know they're in trouble when I start off a question with, let me get this straight. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Right. I mean, e- even my daughter Mackenzie now is just like, you know, daddy, I know I'm in trouble when you start off with Mackenzie, let me get this straight. Okay? Exactly. <laughs> okay. But think about the coordinated effort it would have required for at least two, if not three presidential administrations. Okay. Right. I mean, because you're talking about Bush 43, Clinton, and Bush 41. Okay. Um, and, you know, in, in part of the conspiracies is that 
um, uh, a theory that you know I oftentimes hear is the military industrial complex was unhappy with the end of the Cold War. So, you know, they needed to generate an event, okay, that would lead to, okay, the, you know, the passage of the Patriot Act, the creation of the Department of Homeland Security, uh, the secret surveillance program, okay, uh, the use of military contractors, okay, to replace all the money that had been spent during the Cold War uh, in the nuclear arms race with the Soviet Union. And I'm like, wow, you're talking about a level of coordination by elites within that military industrial complex that heretofore has been almost impossible to achieve in terms of coordination, right? Okay, at some point in time, okay, some element of that military industrial complex is going to go ahead and say, okay, no, I'm not getting enough. I need more. Or no, this is wrong. Okay. Well, um, and the last thing that we, uh, people uh, who in, who enjoy these conspiracy theories or who are part of the, the, the thinking in that way, point to the Manhattan Project. And they say, look, giant government agencies kept that secret for a long, long period of time. One, nuh-uh, people around <laughs> those towns knew what was happening. Um, and they weren't surprised, right? They may yeah. have been surprised by the size, but they weren't surprised. The Russians knew we were building, lots of people knew we were building stuff. Like that wasn't in question. Um, maybe size and scope was in question. So that's part of it. And part of it too was, boy howdy was the media different in 1944 than it than it is now i i cannot go five seconds without hearing about the latest celebrity who blew their nose like it's it, it's pervasive the media is per, pervasive and the idea that somehow this is that it would have been able to keep a secret like that over what is that that's four and eight and one so 13 years well yeah. 12 and a half so years years i mean you know think about this How, who do you think these people are that they I mean, can keep a secret for 12 and a half years i mean think about this neo we've discussed tangentially in a number of podcast episodes about how the united states media um became less trusting of the federal government post-Vietnam War, post-Watergate. I mean, after they were lied to and the media basically reported the lies to the public, okay, you know, post-Vietnam, post-Watergate, the American press and the American public became extremely, you know, jaded and skeptical of the federal government, okay? The fact that any of that could have gone on without the media saying, okay, um, you know, these folks are planning, you know, we have people in the government who are going to let a terrorist attack occur or help the terrorist attack occur, okay, so they can go ahead and achieve this particular purpose. Come on now, right? And I understand that this is, you know, um, uh, back in 2001 um, and, you know, the 1990s. But, you know, CNN existed. We had 24 new 24-7 news cycles in the 1990s, right? Okay, the media was extremely skeptical. Yeah, well, 
And again, I don't know about you, but I, I struggle. I would struggle to keep a secret for 12 and a half years <laughs> if I knew something that dramatic, right? You know, like if I knew something that big or I was working on a project that was that deep, that's the other thing is people leave disgruntled and they tell things, they tell spouses, they tell spies. Like it just, it's not, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like we um, sometimes we want to ascribe the worst possible motives when what happens is a series of events that come together and they're just incredibly bad, dumb luck. I mean, they're, 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 it's a combination you know, of, 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 of luck, fortune, but also too, I mean, the 9-11 Commission report in many ways was spot on, okay, in talking about well, pointing to well-established, well-understood phenomenon in political science to explain how the 9-11 attacks could have happened, right? I mean, this isn't new, this idea of turf battles between executive branch agencies, right? Right. It's not new that the United States Congress has not provided meaningful oversight over what the executive branch does in regards to foreign relations. You know, that's been a criticism of Congress, okay, since like the early 1800s, okay? <laughs> I mean, this is not new, right? Okay. From about the third president on, on yeah, we've been right? having this discussion. <laughs> okay. I mean, the United States Congress tried to go ahead and cover its butt after the War of 1812, okay, when they were like, well, President Madison, why did you not know? Okay, well, you know, James Madison was just like, you know, you know, you guys could have known, you know, you're the Congress. Right, right? How, how am I supposed to know? And, and the other thing too is, is part of what the problem is for people who looked into these events from the outside is that because we have a revolving door of government officials who go into the private sector and they do things in the private sector, often in the defense private sector, and then they come back into service. I'm thinking about Dick Cheney, right, and his connections to Halliburton and all that other kind of stuff. When something happens, then we say, oh, well, they're they're trying to protect their interests or they're trying to grow their personal fortune or they're trying to 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 do these things and i am I'm, I'm often surprised by what people think someone will do for money or yeah. someone will yeah. do for power and you know I, Yes, there are bad people. I'm not suggesting there are not bad people in government, but to say that Dick Cheney wanted to have a war in Iraq because he wanted to make an extra couple of million off his stocks in Halliburton just seems like that's such a that's such a leap for people to make that I don't I don't understand how people get from point A to point B with that. Yeah, I mean in 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 the you and know, I'm not saying Dick Cheney's a great guy. Dick Cheney doesn't actually have a heart. Like technically, <laughs> he has a thing in there that that works his chest, right? So I get it. And like he shot his friend. So I mean, 
<laughs> accidentally or not, that's not a heartwarming person. I'm not suggesting he's heartwarming, but I'm also saying, yeah, yeah I mean, Nia, wow, you know, Nia, you know me well enough. I'm, 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 I'm pretty, you know, I think most people would describe me as um, cynical, very jaded. <laughs> okay, a little bit. Okay, um, but some of these conspiracy theories uh, describe uh, a, a level of you know, evil of malevolent, male, what's the word? Malevolence. Okay. Yeah. Um, that even I can't get there. Right. Okay. How evil do you think this person is? is? Right. Okay. And again, okay. The kind of, the kind of coordination. Okay. That is, that is being described. Um, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I've worked in government too long, <laughs> okay, to think that somebody wasn't going to let the cat out of the bag, right? Who, as you pointed out, would have gotten frustrated because they weren't getting their way, or they were they weren't going to get the kind of payoff that they were hoping for, right? Or they're or they're sleeping with a reporter and they happen to mention it, you know? Yeah, or, I mean, or and this is, happens a lot in in government which is a side note to this but is also true of almost all of these sort of large commissiony type things is younger staffers who are working on that kind of thing like to talk to people about how cool the important thing they're working on is like and you don't put together something like a conspiracy at the level of what would have had to happen for 9-11 without having an enormous staff to help make that happen. That can't be four people in a room who plan this. Like <laughs> yeah. that's just not how these kinds of things work. But I also, you briefly touched on the US Patriot Act and I'd like for us to touch on that before we go. And, um, and we'd like to also thank the listeners for staying with us for a second part of this episode because we know that generally we don't do two parts, two part episodes on commission reports, but we appreciate you staying with us. Um, the the U.S. Patriot Act. Uh, first of all, Patriot actually has words behind it, right? Like it's not just it's an acronym. It's a huge long acronym, and I can't remember it because um, that's who I am. Um, but I think Augie's looking it up because he's doing he's on the research and uh, today. But one of the things that happened in the Patriot Act that that I think is important for people to realize is this is the level of effect that that this event had going forward was one of the provisions is that libraries would would turn over records of what people had checked out of, of materials that they had checked out or um, allow the FBI to come in and look at computers that people had used. And apparently some of the attackers went to their local public library and were looking things up like, I don't know, I doubt they did the search how to use a plane as a bomb, but <laughs> yeah. that kind of thing was happening. And so the American Libraries Association reacted extraordinarily poorly to that part of the legislation, um, well, or in my eyes, extraordinarily well, by saying, we, we will not turn that over without an FBI warrant. Like you, you can't just 
invade people's personal life but that's what the patriot act sort of did it gave these broad powers and do you have the acronym yes uh the patriot act uh stands for uniting and strengthening america by providing appropriate tools required to intercept and obstruct terrorism <laughs> yeah, they had to work really hard to get that USA Patriot that somebody came up with the acronym and then they made words to fit, um, which I think is funny when they do that. It's, it's, it's how it's how Congress works. They like memorable legislation. Oh, sure. Yeah. But that that kind of depth that they could dig down to where they could ask for your records your your borrowing records from a library libraries reacted really poorly to that because we have a strong sense of that's a private your what you that's, look up in the library is private free, that should yeah, not be that's freedom of speech right, right? that should not be anybody I mean, else's business yeah i mean um, you know, uh, you and, know and what it, and that act did a whole lot of things like that. It did a whole lot of things about sort of what you were talking about with that invasion of privacy, Americans' belief in their in their um, in their rights to privacy. Although Augie, I ask you, because you're a constitutional scholar, does the word privacy appear in the Constitution? No, it does not. Um, no, it does not. Um, and. Uh... Um, and I'm at the point in the semester teaching constitutional law, civil rights, civil liberties, um, where we're beginning to discuss cases where the Supreme Court considers privacy and my students' minds are being blown um, when not only the textbook, but their instructor, yours truly, tell them you're not going to find the word privacy in the U.S. Constitution. And they're just like, but I have privacy rights. And I'm like, no, you well, don't. Well, I said, you know, if you think it's specifically enumerated in the Constitution, no, you don't. Okay. Is the concept maybe rooted in a number of amendments? Yes. Okay. But then you're going to have to accept a particular interpretation of the Constitution. Okay. To get there. Well, and, yeah. um, and subsequent laws have protected certain things, right? Like HIPAA protects your medical information that sort of thing but i just wanted to to make a point of mentioning that post 9 11 your that's where you get a huge amount of your um, codified invasion of privacy is in the patriot act that's why the tsa can search you to the point where you feel like they should have bought you dinner first yeah. um, <laughs> right like there's some real Yes. Some some real uh, uh, questions there about, you know, how, like when you walk through the detectors, how long are those photographs being kept? Are they being kept private? I mean, we've seen that TSA workers have actually looked at them and shown them to other people. And there's all kinds of interesting questions about any of that. And all of that rises out of this, out of the post 9-11 events of how do we protect but one of the, I can't remember if it was one of the commissioners or if it was someone else who said, the problem is now we're always reacting to the last attack instead yes. of forward thinking that we still have a problem with that. And that's one of the gaps that we have, even after the commission report, even after all of the reorganization of government, is that we still struggle to imagine what the next attack could be. Yeah, I mean, and... Um, 
I used to teach in the Homeland Security Department at VCU, and the course that I taught was constitutional legal issues of Homeland Security. Uh, taught it at the undergraduate and graduate level, Nia, you may recall, because you took that course with me. And one of the questions I pose to the students is, um, how do you retrofit, okay, a constitution for an event like a terrorist attack? Right. I mean, because a lot of the 9-11 commission recommendations, okay, were about reorganizing the executive branch. But you mentioned the Patriot Act. The Patriot Act had very little debate. I mean, that that's... Oh, it passed it, like 9,000 to 2 or something. I mean, it was yeah, a very... I, I know yeah. there's not 9,002 people in the um, Congress, uh, but I mean, it was a pretty high yay to nay. There, there was only one U.S. Senator, uh, Russ Feingold from Wisconsin, who voted against it. Oh, it's just one. I didn't realize there was... Okay. In the House of Representatives, there were only a couple, okay? They debated it uh, for an incredibly short period of time. Um, and, and, and as we came to find out, after four or five years of implementing the Patriot Act, some members of Congress actually owned up to the fact that they had not read all parts of the Patriot Act, okay, before they uh, voted to approve it. Well, it's I mean, several hundred pages, I think. Oh, it, it, it's a sprawling. Um, it, it, it has 10 different sections. Yeah. 10, 10 different sections. And, and I'm just going to read the sections. Enhanced domestic security. Enhanced surveillance. Anti-money laundering. Border security. Removing obstacles to investigate terrorism. Victims and families of victims of terrorism, increased information sharing for critical infrastructure, terrorism criminal law, okay, improved intelligence, and then my favorite, Title 10 miscellaneous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all the other stuff we forgot to give a title to, or we couldn't put under a different title. It's 132 uh -oh. pages. It is groundbreaking, okay, in how it expanded, okay, law enforcement, surveillance, okay, I mean, yeah, uh, and there was very little discussion about how we go ahead and fit this in to the country's, if you will, constitutional norms and foundation, right? I, I would argue that part of that is the date. Sure. It was what, October, October of 2001? Yes. So, you know, it's a month later. Yes. And people want you to do something in something. Congress. Do yeah. something. And Congress is like, I will do this. And, and I think people thought, yeah, we'll do that. I don't, I think that the average American public didn't read it any more than the average representative in in Congress read it. But this is one of those examples of what John King did, a well-known public administration scholar called uh, the garbage can theory of decision-making. There was a window of opportunity and a whole bunch of proposals that had been floating around for years, okay, now could be put into a law that members of Congress would go ahead and vote for 
and debate very little. So, you know, had the FBI for years been asking for increased surveillance um, uh, uh, authority? Sure, right? Um, had the Treasury Department wanted legal authority to go after money launderers? Hell yes, right? Give it okay. to them. They'll yeah. love it. Yeah, they'll love it, right? There's a little something for everyone. For everybody, right? Okay. Yeah. You know, had the FAA, you know, been, been clamoring for years, okay, that an important stakeholder group, pilots, were concerned about passengers boarding planes with weapons. Hell yes. Well, let's put it in there, right? Right. We, we don't want any more planes hijacked to become terrorist weapons, Right. So all this stuff goes in there. And then after the fact, we have a kind of, excuse the expression, an oh crap moment. We're like, oh, did we give the federal government the authority to do X? Might there be some issues here? <laughs> right. right. Did okay. We, did we give them pervasive security yes. I mean, it's after that that you start getting the Snowden, we're going to scoop up all your all your phone calls ever on the planet because anything falls under the I'm investigating terrorism. Like, this is the start of that. This is so um, when we were saying that the immediate outcomes of of 9-11 were relatively limited to the like the three biggies that we talked about what it also did was shift our entire culture oh, in, yeah, the, into the a debate. surveillance state that was that did not exist prior to that yeah i mean or it didn't exist at that level level yeah i that. mean the debate just shifted right um you know uh anything to prevent terrorism that's right i mean because after watergate um you had um uh, the church commission uh, which was uh, uh, led by Senator Frank Church, okay, um, to investigate um, um, uh, wrongdoing in the executive branch. And the Church Commission concluded that most presidents, starting with FDR in the 1930s, used federal agencies to engage in surveillance of U.S. citizens. Now, the executive branch, you know, you know, uh, fought back by saying, but we need enhanced surveillance because we're fighting a Cold War. So right. um, what you end up uh, seeing passed was FISA, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, right? Okay, but that had a multi-year debate after a well-researched, you know, commission report from Frank Church, okay, and what you got with FISA was a law that pleased nobody, right, which is usually a good sign or a, uh, the, the sign of a good law. A law that pleases nobody, okay, is usually a good law, right? Although you and I can debate whether FISA is a good law. Good law, yeah, okay. I mean, <laughs> hey, I, I, I have all kinds of issues with FISA, right? particularly right. as it was implemented post 9-11. But again, that reflects the culture change, the debate right. change in this country, okay? Because those who initially implemented FISA 
okay, bent over backwards to make sure um, that the federal government, before it got a FISA warrant, okay, actually had a legitimate intelligence gathering purpose behind it. Now we know that FISA, as recently as the Obama administration, was used to go ahead and surveil the incoming presidential administration, the Trump administration. Right. Okay. I mean, which, as far as we know, Donald Trump was not on one of these planes that attacked. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like he—he wasn't an operative of a foreign government, right? Okay, who in a Manchurian candidate type plot (laughs) was, which is, (laughs) which is a separate conspiracy theory that we could, we could talk about, but but there's no report involved of that. It's yeah, yeah, right, okay, yeah, but 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 again, but yeah, no, those sprawl, those things have sprawled out into these. You, post, um, because I want to, therefore it must apply. Yeah, I mean, and again, the point that I made in these classes, and you heard me heard me say this: where was the debate? Okay, right. where is the explicit conversation about the trade-offs? Right? Okay, do I like okay being uh, searched before I board a plane? No. Okay. Um, it makes me extremely uncomfortable. Okay. I crack all kinds of jokes as a way to relieve the tension. Okay. Most of the jokes are inappropriate and I can't say on this podcast. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Okay. But nevertheless, right. Okay. Do I feel uncomfortable with it? Yes. Okay. A, A whole bunch of really smart people whose job is to make sure the United States doesn't have another terrorist attack tell me that this is a necessary step or tool to achieve that purpose, okay? But I would have liked to had a debate among my elected representatives before we went down this road. And there wasn't any debate in regards to the Patriot Act. I mean, as you just pointed out, Neil, okay, within a month and a half, Congress goes ahead and passes this. Okay, this is a body, okay, that debates for weeks whether or not to go ahead and honor some really good person from some hometown that nobody's ever heard of. Right. right. What do you okay. mean you want to name a post after after John Augenbach? Tell me about this John Augenbach guy. And like, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, yeah. We we need to go ahead and vet this for you know the next half year, right? Right. Okay. Um but, but this they, this was an overreact well, maybe not overreaction but this was a reaction to the public pressure of do something we want blood right, right. we want we want blood right and we're willing to go ahead and you know trample on the bill of rights to get there right okay and i would have really liked okay our elected representatives to show some leadership and say are you guys sure this is what you want? Well, and I would have liked, if we're going to pie in the sky dream, um, <laughs> I would like now for people not to act like they d- did not at the time 100% support this. Oh. Like we yeah. have a whole lot of revisionist history on both sides of the aisle. That is, That has been a problem, not just for one side or the other, but both sides have decided that they're going to revise history so that they weren't standing in the middle of this maelstrom and they added to it. Um, and that's just a, 
that's a personal side note that uh, that I struggle with, with, um, as I said, politicians on both sides who want to act as if, you know, as if they read the bill, as if they knew what was in it, as if they, you know, when it came up for renewal, was it five or six years later? I can't remember exactly. People were like, wait, it says this? Like, yes, it has said that the whole time. What's wrong with you? So I'm with you on, I wish there had been a, more of a debate, but I also understand that in the moment, we as a nation were in shock. And sure. this yeah. was effectively the orange blanket that the ambulance guy puts around you when you're when you're in shock and you don't you're just you just cling to the edges of it, hold it around yourself and hope for the best until things calm down. So uh, and what's unfortunate is that in that interim, it became the standard the the surveillance level became the standard of how we now approach our safety and that's to me scary oh yeah and, and yeah i mean the, the the precedent has been set right yeah. um the precedent has been set and undoing it would be yeah i mean and extraordinarily you know, difficult i mean i had this conversation uh, uh last week in one of my classes um you know, students were talking about um, uh, what's going on uh, in regards to the, the Texas border in regards to immigration. And I said, you know, guys, a lot of our treatment of immigrants entering the country illegally changed post 9-11. And, and the look on their faces was one of shock. And I was just like, no, guys, it fundamentally changed. Okay. Yeah. I, th I, mean, I think you're right. It's, People uh, went from, oh, that's an annoyance to that is an enemy. That is an enemy, right? And then I said. Or a potential enemy. And I said, it's, and it's not just one political party, right? Um, I said, you know, um, there, there's a reason why many uh, uh, advocates for immigrants were displeased with the Obama administration, right? Okay. Because. You know, the Obama administration wasn't necessarily uh, welcoming with open arms, okay, uh, a lot of immigrants, okay. Uh, deported more than, than any other than the Bush administration yeah. under which 9-11 happened. Yeah. So I said, you know, those are facts, guys, okay. Right. You don't get to rewrite those. Those are the numbers that have been reported, okay, by law to the United States Congress, okay, they have been cited in various federal court cases, okay? Um, and, you know, and as we've discussed on this podcast, if there is one branch of the federal government you do not want to lie to, okay, it is the federal judiciary, okay? Because they will take it out on you. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they will. Yeah, right? And okay. potentially your, the next generation of your family. Yeah, yeah. right? Okay. I mean, you know, uh, you know, see our summer of SCOTUS, okay, <laughs> you know, where we went ahead and talked about how uh, when the Trump administration basically came up with some, um, shall we say, less than truthful explanations about the census count, okay, even the chief justice, okay, as diplomatically as he could, basically went ahead and called BS on the Trump administration, right? right? Okay. I mean, they might go ahead and write it, 
okay, in somewhat soothing words, but the message was clear. Yeah, we're calling you out and we're ruling against you. Right. Okay. Um, uh, so, uh, but 9-11, I mean, it, it was more than just the commission and, uh, and I'm glad um, uh, uh, and, and I hope uh, listeners, uh, you stayed with us for the second part of this. Um, but, you know, the Patriot Act um, got renewed in 2006 um, and uh, uh, it was extended again in 2011. Um, um, and then it was replaced. And again, you got to love these acronyms with the USA Freedom Act in 2015. <laughs> but nevertheless, I mean, some of these, you know, some of these tools are still available to the federal government, right? right? The provisions I mean, didn't, the, the acronym may have changed, changed, but the provisions in large measure, a lot of them stayed. They, they, they stayed. Uh, some limits were placed. But, you know, just to give one example, um, the Patriot Act created a tool known as the National Security Letter. The National Security Letter is where a federal government agency submits a letter to a business, to an individual and says, we want these records um, because it's part of our effort uh, to defend against terrorism. Now, can you legally say no? Yes. Okay. But what business or person post 9-11 was going to go ahead and say no to the federal government and have it potentially be leaked to the press that you were unwilling to help the feds, okay, thwart a future terrorist event? Right. Okay? And, and if there is a terrorist event, it is certainly going to come out that you didn't help when so, you were asked. Yes. So, because, you know, many of my students were just like, so why did all these banks, why did all these internet companies, telephone companies turn over all these records, okay, um, um, that, you know, Snowden, for instance, you know, made us aware of? And I was just like, because they got a national security letter from the federal government saying this information would help us protect the country. Right. Do you want to be the business that, you know, as you just mentioned, Nia, after a future terrorist event, the federal government says to, you know, the executive branch says to the Congress in a very unpleasant hearing, <laughs> well, you know, the, these banks refused to turn over the records, so we couldn't track the money. And if we could have tracked the money, we could have perhaps prevented this. Right. Right. You want there to be absolutely no tie between your business and and not thwarting and a, a, a large death event. Right. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, there needs to be no connection there, which is why whenever somebody uses um, weapons to create a mass casualty event, the gun companies immediately say it is the shooter, not the gun. Like we didn't, you know what I mean? We didn't yeah. do this because they immediately want to distance themselves from, uh, I'm thinking about the Las Vegas attack and all of the gun makers who are like, ah, that was not us. We could not have seen that coming. Um, 
but yeah, yeah the, you don't want to be on that end of, of that if you're a business, because that's going to kill your business in the long run. And also, most of the time, as we know from security and especially human security, people want to be helpful. They want to be patriotic. They want to be good citizens. And if you get a person and you say, I need this record because I need to know blah, 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 and, and they find out you really are legitimate law enforcement, they will try to help you. The likelihood is that a person, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, it's how people, it's how hackers work, right? They find a person who wants to be helpful. Yes. And, and they play on that need and that other person helps them. And then of course, hackers, of course, are, I'm not suggesting that the FBI are hackers, please. No, but, if the but, but, FBI but, but, is listening but, to this podcast, I'm not suggesting that, but, but it's that it's a you, similar notion of wanting to help. It, and, you know, for many humans, okay. You know, if the, if your government comes to you and says you could help us, this might be one of those rare times. Okay to where, you know, the government is saying to you, we need your help. Be a hero. Yeah, right. I mean, right. I mean, I mean, how many of us, okay, um, you know, would turn down an opportunity to be a hero? Right. Okay. How many times in your life do you get that opportunity? So, yeah, I mean, because, you know, most of us, okay, we lead, you know, boring under the radar <laughs> existences, right. okay, where, you know, nobody comes to us and says, in this moment in time, Nia, you're important. Yeah, Help us. It would be impossible for you to say no for the most part. <laughs> yeah, right? Okay. Very few of us are going to be like, oh, okay. So what are you going to use this information for? Exactly. Okay, yeah, we would not lawyer it up in that moment. Most of us are not lawyers and we would yeah. not lawyer it up in that moment. We would say, oh, you need this to thwart an attack. Here, what can I do? How can I help? Um, and, yeah, I mean, it, 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 you, know. It, you know, to give you an example, last summer, okay, about three or four months into the pandemic, my daughter and I were taking a walk in our, uh, in our neighborhood after dinner, and a, a cop car shows up, okay, and, and the police officer gets out and says, um, uh, you know, uh, what's your name? And I said my name, and of course, you know, my daughter is just like, and I'm her, you know, uh, and I'm his daughter, Mackenzie. So, you know, the police officer said, hey, have you seen, you know, anything unusual while you've been out walking, right? I mean, and I noticed the transformation in my daughter right away. I mean, she, she was just like, you know, I'm important. I have information that could help right. this police officer, right? And it just kind of sort of struck me. You know, because, you know, part of me is just like, uh, well, what's going on, uh, officer? You know, Mackenzie was just like, no, we haven't seen that, you know, person, you know, and, and we haven't seen anybody like that. And, you know, we've been going for a walk and other than hearing some dogs bark, you know, it's been our normal walk. In fact, it's pretty boring, right? And the police officer, you know, he's got a smile on his face. And I was just like, yes, okay, her daddy's boring, okay? But, I mean, I noticed the transformation, right? right. You know, she wanted to be helpful, okay? Right. Um, Most and, people do. Yeah, you know, they wanted to be helpful. Um, uh, but national security letters, I mean, I mean, uh, I mean, the, the FBI was using them all the time, right? Okay, you know, delivering the banks to businesses, 
to technology companies, to internet providers, right? Okay, and the logic is the more information we have, the better we can predict when there's going to be a terrorist attack, right? right? I mean, we've discussed this in previous podcast episodes. So much of what the government does is predicated on having huge amounts of information, right? right? The more information we have, the better able we, we can be to predict. I mean, we just did a, a podcast episode, listeners, um, uh, 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 with our colleague Judy Twig, okay, where, you know, she went ahead and talked about how, okay, you know, responding to the pandemic or being able to effectively respond to the uh, pandemic is based on the information. Right. Okay. Accurate information. Okay. Well, and... And 9-11 really solidified in our national consciousness the idea that information is power and information is prevention and information, right? Like, and the more that you have, although, and you and I could argue this, which we will not do today because we need to wrap up, but we could argue that too much information means it's all noise and you don't actually get any threads of anything. Um yeah, I mean, but, we, and we, so there's arguments on both sides. sides I get but, why they yeah. want as much information as they can get. And I also get that in the new world of AI and the way that we're building computers now, we may be able to handle large amounts of information in a different way. But uh, Google still tries to sell me stuff that I'm not interested in. So I know <laughs> that AI is not perfect. Yeah, right. Um, okay. Yeah. okay. I mean, yeah, we could have an entire uh, episode uh, about the pros and cons of information gathering. Of information gathering. And in podcast uh, listeners, uh, if that's something that is of interest to you, let us know. Um, um, uh, but because uh, there, there's plenty of literature that says there's a threshold effect on individuals and government agencies um when there's too much information as you just described it it becomes noise yeah um it actually hurts analysis right uh it hurts analysis right yeah um and, and, to, and, and to quickly wrap this up i mean it, a, g- a good way to think about this is sensory overload right Think about your longest day when you've had a whole bunch of meetings, a whole bunch of class sessions, and at some point in time, okay, your brain just stops, right? Right. Okay. You can't focus. And in fact, the only thing you can focus on is the thing that won't require your brain to operate. <laughs> right. So somebody says to you, what are you having for dinner? And you're like, the first thing my hand touches in the fridge. Yeah. I opened the oh, refrigerator. I got a bottle of olives. I guess that's what I'm having for dinner. Because you know, I don't want to think about it. I don't have anything left. You know, it's like those nights where you open up your refrigerator and you're like, oh, it's cereal for dinner. Exactly. Because I, you, you see the, 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 the milk container and you're like, all I got to do is pour that over. Okay. Exactly you know, some Cheerios or Frosted Flakes, and there's my dinner. And I'm done. <laughs> and and as a nation, that's in part, that's really a, actually an excellent sort of where we were in October 
of 2001. And now we're back um, as a nation to having, well, sometimes having better discussions about these sorts of things. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think that it's been, um, we could talk for days, but it's been really good. Thank you for, for talking about this with me. And thank you for um, the extended episodes, because I really appreciate you staying with me for two episodes on this. 9-11, it's not that it's bigger or more important than things like the Warren Commission and the death of a president. It's just that I think it's altered us in a way, altered our society in a way that maybe yeah. the other precipitating events have not done. Yeah, yeah, yep. And you're so welcome. Thanks, Augie. I'll see you'll... you next time. All right. Have a good weekend, Neil. Thanks, you too. You've been listening to Civil Discourse, brought to you by VCU Libraries. Opinions expressed are solely the speaker's own and do not reflect the views or opinions of VCU or VCU Libraries. Special thanks to the Workshop for Technical Assistance. Music by Isaac Hobson. Find more information at guides.library.vcu.edu slash discourse. As always, no documents were harmed in the making of this podcast.